Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 39 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for joining us today. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as you are all by now aware, Tuesdays here on the podcast is Swimming New Zealand Day. Our chance to catch up with superstars from across the ditch and help shine a light on the tremendous talent the Kiwis have at the moment. And today's special guest is a perfect example of just that. She's an Olympian and a woman who has represented her country at Com Games and World Champs. She's a multiple-time national record holder and just recently she signed with the LA Current for the Season 2 of the ISL. Yes, my special guest today is Helena Gasson. Now, let's get straight into it. Let's get this Tuesday started right because Ep 39 with Helena Gasson starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Today on the show from New Zealand is an Olympian and a multiple-time national record holder. She's competed for her country at Commonwealth Games, World Champs, is currently eyeing off a second Olympic Games next year at Tokyo in 2021. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Helena Gasson. Helena, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Now, obviously, everyone who listens to the podcast knows where I am. Uh, If you can see it now, you can actually see that I've changed my venue. I used to be down in the garage, but I've been kicked out of there, as per usual in my own home. I get kicked out of lots of places. So I'm now (laughs) up in the bedroom. I thought I'd turn the camera away from the bed to make it a little (laughs) bit more professional. Uh, Where have we caught you today? Um, I'm just at home in Auckland at the moment. What's it like over there weather-wise today? Because it's a bit gloomy over here. Um, it is terrible, actually. It has probably been the worst rain that we've had in a long time today. Mm. Do you guys get floods and stuff over there? Um, where I grew up, we had floods all the time, um, which is kind of in between Waikato and Auckland area, yeah. but not so much where I live in Auckland. Mm. So now, listen, I know before we started, you said you'd not long got back from training and, and got yourself ready for the interview. So how was, how was training this morning? How'd you go? Um, it was pretty good. We did a IM development set, so like lots of 400 IMs, which mm. they aren't that fun, but <laughs> you know you got to do them. And I, I actually really do enjoy doing distance training, so it was, yeah. it was okay. So volume-wise, this morning, how far was it? Do you remember? Oh, um, I would have been between like six and seven. I can't remember. I don't yeah. often add it up. That's my <laughs> job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, how did you go with the Olympics being pushed back? Because obviously, and we talked about this before we started, but I'll, I'll bring it up again a bit later, but you had a, a very clear focus towards 2020 uh, yeah. and the Tokyo Olympics. So for you, how, you know, mentally, how did you sort of handle it? Obviously, now you, you seem to be doing pretty well, but initially, how did you go? Um, initially, I thought that I handle it pretty well. Um, I was like, oh, what's another year? It's already been two years, so I can do that. But 
um, over the past month, I've realized how hard it actually did hit me. Mm. Um, just training without a goal. Like I'm a bit older now. I'm not old, but getting up there. And I was just like, do I want to start the next part of my life? I don't even know if next year is going to be on. This was a month ago. We've heard otherwise now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just so unclear and I wasn't certain what was going to happen that I actually really did struggle with it. But we're coming back on now, especially with like um, the ISL and with the Olympics saying it's going to go ahead no matter what. So yeah, I've, I've definitely um, started handling it a lot better now. For a lot of athletes out there listening, mate, I think they've gone through the same thing. I know certainly my own athletes, I don't have anyone uh, at an open level, but there's 16, 17 year olds that I've even noticed in training them sort of dragging their feet on certain Mm -hmm. days because we don't have clarity around what's coming up or where the goals are sitting. What did you do to help sort of shift the focus from the negative to the now positive, which you sound like you are? Um, I guess like, I have to credit my coach, Michael, a lot for coming out of that because he does a lot of um, work with my psychology. Mm-hmm. So it's just chats with him all the time about it. Um, like I said, with the ISL and getting more clarity around the Olympics next year also helped. But like in the end, it just came down to I'm not ready to give up yet. Um, so yeah, I definitely know that if I was to finish now, I would have regrets even probably in like two months time. Well, you mentioned there the ISL. It's been pretty big news lately that the, a lot of Aussies aren't going. Yeah. Um, what about yourselves over there? Are you guys able to go? Are you still going? What's happening there? Um, at the moment, I'm still going. Um, as I said, at the moment, we aren't too sure yet, but I'm yeah. planning on going. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to your point before, I think it was a great, um, sort of thing to look forward to for athletes and certainly, you know, enthusiasts of swimming, you know, I'm a coach, but obviously I love watching it. I love watching racing. So it Mm -hmm. sort of gave something to look forward to. So I certainly hope, I know there are a few Aussies that are still going. There was widely reported that not, that everyone's not going, but I think there's a handful that, that still are. Um, So hopefully you guys get the all clear as well and you get to get over there and we get this thing happening because I think there's a bigger thing at play here. And obviously we can think individually about our own goals next year, but in terms of, you know, the wide appeal to, to swimming as a sport, I think it's important that it goes ahead. Anyway, that's my own point of view. I'll I'll move on. Um, Talk to me about training Um, during COVID-19. You've had a couple of sort of lockdowns over there in New Zealand. So what did you get up to when you couldn't get to the pool? So our first lockdown in April, May, time um when we're in level four we weren't allowed to basically leave the house so we were going for walks around our neighborhood um we're lucky enough to have a bit of a home garage but like swimming at the beach i live coastal so i could have done that but three days into the lockdown they um like said no swimming in the beach because there's a possibility of um drowning and someone would have to help you so that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so yeah, the first lockdown, which was like six weeks, I we couldn't do anything. Um, the second lockdown, again, same thing, was just home gym, going for walks. That one hurt a lot, even though it was only two weeks, but it was only finished three weeks ago, so I'm still struggling after that one. Mm. But um, our training's been relatively normal since the lockdowns, 
we're lucky enough at our facility to not have too many restrictions around the amount of people there. So yeah, we're, we're basically back to normal now. What about that first time you got back in the pool? Was it harder or easier than you thought it would be? Um, I was really scared to get back in. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do one length and just be done. But it, I felt like a kid at the playground. Like it was just so nice to be in the water and I love being underwater. Yep. So like, I just like sat underwater for so long. I was just like, this is my home. <laughs> but then I did blow both my shoulders. So, I mean, I'm still dealing with that a little bit now. Um, yeah, after the first lockdown, getting in the water was just amazing. Yeah, the second lockdown was a lot harder. But, yeah, yeah it, yeah. Was, it was a lot of fun to get back into training. It's something I like to do with all the guests is go back to, to where it all started for you because I said this before as well, I think it gives those younger swimmers a better appreciation of where you've gotten to now and, and maybe some of the things you've gone through during your career to get to this point, um, you know, they're going through as we speak. Talk to me about how swimming started for you and, and sort of what drew you towards the pool because as you said, you love being underwater. So yeah. we are water baby. Did it start from the very beginning? Um. Oh, I've heard from my mum a lot that when I was like a toddler and I got put into swimming lessons, I was screaming, um, thrashing about, like kicking the instructor and he just dunked me underwater um, and I was staring straight back at him apparently. So he was like, she's fine. And my mum just left and left him to do whatever he wanted. But um, I originally started club because I have two older sisters that were swimming um, I grew up very, very rural, so we all had to kind of go along if anyone was going to town. Um, and I just, you know, we're in New Zealand. Everybody needs to learn to swim. It's, um, you're surrounded by water. So we, we had to, and I just took to it. I remember when I was eight saying that I was going to go to the Olympics, and I just kind of held on to that all through my life, I guess. Mm. What Did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played netball and I did a lot of equestrian. Oh, yeah? Do you still ride horses now? Um, whenever I go to my parents, I sometimes do, but not so much anymore. Yeah, I, um, my family grew up around a lot, uh, horses a lot as well, and um, I'm getting a bit too. I feel sorry for the horses now when I jump <laughs> on their back. I, uh, funny story, I'll, I'll tell this story because it is very funny. I, um, we went on a cruise, uh, myself and my wife, and we um, were in one of the islands, uh, Pacific Islands, and we went horse riding up a mountain and overlooking this beautiful, and it was gorgeous. But um, they, they said there was a, a weight restriction of 100 kilos, and I think at the time I was like 107 or something. So I just, oh, I was 100. My poor horse was just pottering around at the back. I kept apologizing to the horse the whole way around. Oh, anyway, long story short, um, <laughs> I think he survived. I think he's okay. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah he needed a few days rest, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> growing up in New Zealand, mate, did you have any heroes, any idols that you looked up to? Um, yeah, I, I looked up to Moss Burmester and to Dean Kent a lot when I was like in my pre-teen years was when they were swimming and doing quite well. Mm. But um, other than them, not really. I can't say that I overly followed sport that much when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dean Kent, if you're listening, I tried to get in contact with you to uh, celebrate the 20 year anniversary of the podcast because <laughs> uh, 20 of the, of the Olympic games, sorry, the Sydney Olympic games, 
um, because obviously he swam there and then he was yeah. in the 200 and the 400 IM. So I did try and get him on to, re- to relive his, his memories, but I couldn't get a hold of him. So if, he's, oh, if he does okay. listen, then uh, get in contact <laughs> with me because I'd love to have him on for a chat. Um, mate, for a lot of people, there's a, a moment, could be in training, could be at a meet, could be anything like that, where you realize not just that you want to go to the Olympics because we've established that you did want to go, but that it was a, a definite, um, you know, possibility. You've done something where you're like, oh, shit, I'm doing pretty good here. Like I'm yeah. on the right track. What was that moment for you where everything started to align where you're like, okay, that goal is now becoming a lot more of a reality. Um, nothing too clear stands out, but I guess it would have been at the 2015 world university games. In the 100 fly, I broke the minute for the first time, did like a two-second PB and was less than a second away from the qualifying time. So I was like, right, we got a year, we can do this. Um, but I, I guess I've just always had so much confidence in myself that I was always going to do it anyway. And yeah, like obviously that race in um, South Korea in 2015 really like boosted my confidence and um made me realize that I could do it the following year, but it's just always been there. Like I've always knew it was going to happen. Mm. What do you think helps with that sort of self-belief? Cause there's a lot of swimmers out there that I, sometimes it comes and it goes. I see it in my, yeah. my own athletes. Sometimes they're walking around poor deck like they own the joint. And then the next, you know, one they're walking around like, you know, they shouldn't be there. I'm like what happened to that you know, kid from three weeks ago? How, what's the key do you think to holding on to that self-confidence and that belief that, you know, you've done the work and you can, you know, go out and perform? Um, I'm not too sure because I'm struggling with that right now. I always feel like I don't belong, especially when we're racing in Aussie. I'm like, oh, I don't look like them. I'm not as fast as them, so I feel like I shouldn't be here. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I always had super, super supportive parents that just backed me no matter what and almost did anything that I needed from them. So, like, having my family support, and I'm a huge, huge family person, that was um, really all that I needed. Yeah. Talk to me about family for a second. Cause in terms of swimming in general with all the listeners, there are the parents or swimmers yeah. themselves or their coaches with kids. So, you know, it's all a family thing here on the podcast. Obviously you mentioned how supportive they were, how involved were they? I've had different swimmers, you know, talk about different things in terms of Susie O'Neill the other day was saying how her parents were basically facilitators. They dropped her off. They picked her up. They said, well done. They gave her a hug, but they really didn't pay too much attention until she started to really, you know, obviously ascend to the, to the top. What about for yourself with, with your parents? What sort of swimming parents were they? Um, yeah, they basically just dropped me off and picked me up afterwards, but I'm one of five children, so there was a lot of us to kind of run around after. They couldn't exactly, like, wait and watch a two-hour session. But um, they would always be, like, an IOT or a timekeeper at swim meets. (laughs) No matter how good or bad I did, they would always be, like, the first people to say congrats and give me a hug. But um, I reckon they were, like, the perfect swim parents. They never got involved with, um, like, mine and my coaching relationships. They always just kind of sat back and let me do what I needed to do for mm. the sport. How important do you think that is for, for people listening to obviously not completely change the way they are if they're listening yeah. to this and like, oh, maybe I'm too involved. But just in terms of advice, you know, how, how important is that, do you think, for, for parents to understand, you know, sometimes that we need to just be there to hug and, and high five and let, you know, the swimmer and the coach get on with it? 
I think it's really important. Yeah, I mean, the swimmer and the coach need to have a lot of trust and faith in each other. And, like, sometimes you can see parents trying to get involved in that and it it doesn't necessarily ruin the coaching relationship, but it, it doesn't help. Um, and also parents just, they, to me, they need to be, like, the love and support on the sideline. And when they try to, like, I've had my parents sometimes try to, like, jump in on coaching stuff. And I'm like, look, you don't know, just be there for me. So... Yeah, like I, I, they just really are there for support and love. Yeah, no, I agree. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Now, when you're in training and it's a super hard session and given the events that you do, I'm assuming you've had some, <laughs> some very <laughs> <Yeah>. hard sessions <laughs> uh, in your time. What, what helps keep you motivated to keep working and, and keep pushing? This is another question that comes up a lot from junior swimmers that are learning how to train um, especially when they come up into the top groups and, you know, they've got to put in those, those big, you know, volume sessions. How do you stay motivated effort after effort, you know, 100 or 200 or 400, whatever it may be yeah. that, that you're doing? Is it in terms of, you know, you're looking at those goals and saying, okay, well, I've got to work towards that or are you just doing one, you know, sort of effort at a time? So I guess I've got like many strategies for that. <laughs> Depends on my mood on the day. Um, I used to, a couple of years ago, be like, right, what would an Olympic champion do now? And then I'd try to do that. Um, the other thing is like when we're coming up to qualifying meets, I'd be like, oh, how are you going to qualify? And so like, that's how I would push myself through training sessions. I am super competitive. So training with boys is the best thing for me because I just, I have to race them and I have to beat them. Mm -hmm. Even like, I can't most of the time, but if I ever do, the boys never hear it down. <laughs> yeah, I just, I always want to beat the me from last week. Yeah. And that, that always drives me. I think that's great advice. And, and certainly the, the other piece of advice you said there about how would an Olympian do this or how would Olympic gold medalists do this? Yeah. I remember even um, we were doing a, a strength and conditioning course and the, the, the instructor was trying to, you know, tell us different things and different ways to help our athletes. Uh, and one of them was when we were doing squats to stand up like an Olympian. And it was, you'd be amazed how many of the people just all of a sudden stood up properly just yeah. because they were thinking <laughs> like it was just a, a mind shift. So uh, I, I love that one, especially now 2013, you got silver in the 200 uh, fly at the New Zealand national titles. And the following year, I think you got silver again in the 400 IM and the 200 fly again, 2015. However, you win four gold in both the IMs, 100 and 200 fly. Yeah. My question is, what lessons did you learn from the two years previous that helped you with obviously that phenomenal 2015 result? And I know you'd go on to, to have a, another, you know, big um, year that year as well. Um, what lessons? Uh, I guess like 2013 was a huge shock. So I was 18, um, I didn't set the New Zealand age record in the 200 fly, but I set it in the 100 fly, I think, the day or two beforehand. So that, like, gave me confidence. I was like, yeah, I can do this. Kind of looked at who was in the race. I was like, yeah, no, nah, this is fine. <laughs> mm. um, but I remember that race, uh, my goggles came off. Um, so <laughs> obviously learn to tighten your goggles and put them on properly. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, I, I, between 2014 and 2015 was just such a strong training year for me. I was um, with Ken Nixon, who has sadly passed since, um, and he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. 
and we just really targeted we we're targeting world uni games so um all of the training was just i wouldn't say perfect but it was getting very good mm. and we we're like we're not going to be sick in this yet we're going to win definitely was not expecting the hundred fly that was a, a big shock to me um yeah I, I would i don't really know what lessons i learned i guess i just trained smarter for it Mm. Um, physiologically, did you grow? Obviously, I, you know, this is the first time we've met, so I don't know what you looked like when you were yeah. sort of 15, 16 to, to where you are now. Do you think in those two years, you know, you sort of developed and, and grew a little bit more as well to be a bit stronger um, and a bit, you know? I've always said that from like 14, I've had this body. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was pretty big, like 14 year old, not that big now. I definitely gained strength. So I'm a very strong, muscular person. And just getting into my 20s, obviously, I, I got a lot stronger. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I definitely haven't grown in height. <laughs> Been this height for a while. Well, you and me both, mate. I keep hoping one day I'll, you know, I, just, I think I'm shrinking. I don't even think I'm growing. Um, World Uni Games, we've talked about that as a, a breakout moment for you. What, you know, what sort of confidence did you take away from that that led you towards, and we're about to get to it in a second, 2016? Um, oh, like being in a semi-final at a competition at that level was pretty incredible for me. Um, so like that, it just kind of changed my whole mindset. I just missed been in the final I think I got ninth so that that hurt but I was like no we can do better than this next time um yeah it, it gave me so much confidence and it just kind of made me feel like I belong on the world stage yeah well 2016 let's get to it what a year for you making your first ever Olympic Games for Rio and we talk a lot on the show about the games experience and um, you know, we'll do that in a minute in terms of the results. But, you know, let's backtrack for a second and talk about the moment, you know, the moment that you secured your spot for the, mm -hmm. for the team for Rio. Because obviously we mentioned before you were eight when you started to say, you know, I want to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So this must have been a massive sort of dream come true for you. Talk to me about the realisation of, of that dream for you. Yeah, well, the Olympic trials was crazy. So as I've said, I was, I'm a big family person. And at the time, my dad was doing a bike ride from Auckland down to the bottom of the South Island. So I didn't have him around for his support, which was hard. Um, also, the first day was the 200 fly, which theoretically at that point was my better race. The heat, I broke the New Zealand record and was about half a second away from qualifying. And everybody was like, oh, you've got this tonight. You can do it, like, easily. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can. And I blew the final, like, you wouldn't believe. I got second, so <laughs> didn't even win. was seconds over what I did in the heat. Um, I had the next day off. Then the 100 fly was the day after. And I was just like, do it in the heat. You have to do it in the heat. I watched Bradley Ashby qualify in the 200 IM like half an hour beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the stands being like, oh my gosh, what would that feeling be like? As soon as he finished, everyone was talking about it. And I said it out loud. I was like, oh, the feeling he must have right now. And then, yeah, I went and did it in the 100 fly. It was such a relief. Um, there's a photo of me hugging Yonsu Lee, who was in one of the lanes next to me. And then Georgia Maris, like jumping on top of us from behind. 
and like the look of relief on my face as I'm kind of being drowned by them. It's, it's pretty special. It's a cool mm. moment to have. Yeah. On to the games now and, and having never been there myself, I'm always super curious about, you know, what the experience is like before, you know, we get to the race, you know, how was the travel, the accommodation, the atmosphere around the village, especially for your first Olympics. So I, I can assume you can either go up, you know, one way or the other, it can be overwhelming or yeah. you can kind of just sort of soak it all in and just be like, well, I'm here for, you know, to just enjoy it. Yeah. I would say, I kind of went both ways. Like it was very overwhelming. There's a lot going on. Um, been in a completely different country. Like it was really my first major international meet, so everything was new about it. Um, but yeah, it was incredible, and it's definitely something that I would not give up for the world. Um, I can't really remember too much. I think because I didn't do too well, of tried to forget. Yeah. Um, I just you know, remember how incredible it was being a part of the New Zealand team and being able to also share that moment with my mum, dad and my oldest sister. They were there as well. So, yeah, everything was super exciting, super new. But, yeah, I can't remember too much. It's all right. Well, listen, I apologise for this, but I know you just said you've tried to forget, but we're going <laughs> to talk about the, yeah. the, the swimming over there in terms of, the time I had a look, I think you were slightly over your PB. I know you'll slightly. have your own. You, well, I'm, I'm beat, you know, I'll <laughs> let you say how you, you think of it. I'll say slightly. Um, talk to me about your results. You, what do you think, you know, contributed to those? Was it nerves? Was it um, the massive arena and your first sort of experience? Because I've even thought myself, just away from being a swimmer, like as a coach, what would I be like at an Olympic? I think I would be like freaking out myself. And they're like, no, you've got to calm down. You've got to get the swimmers ready. So I can only imagine what was going through your own head. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I let the nerves get to me too much. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a crazy experience. Like being in the um, ready room beforehand with like all these Olympic superstars that I've only ever watched on TV was, was a lot. Mm. But, um, when I walked out to race, I felt very much like myself that I hadn't let things get to my head, but we changed the whole preparation um, leading up to the games from trials. So everything that we did from like January to April, which was when trials was got changed. And I just looking back on it now, I don't think that I was prepared properly, I guess, Mm. Um, which is a shame, but it's, I don't blame anyone. Um, so, yeah, there are things that I would definitely do differently in the couple of months beforehand. Um, but, yeah, walking out and racing in that arena, I remember racing next to a Brazilian in the 100 fly, and it was just insane being in there. It was crazy loud, and I was just like, this is for me. <laughs> Went out really, really fast, <laughs> struggled to get home, but... Hey, we worked on that. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask, obviously, you're looking forward to 2021, mm-hmm. taking away the preparation for the Olympics. What lessons did you learn from those two swims there that you'll take into 2021 when you're, you know, hopefully back in that arena again and you're behind the blocks? Yeah. Obviously, you've been there, so you're going to be a lot more confident. But what did you learn from t- uh, 2016, sorry, that you'll take in sort of competition-wise in the pool? Um, I've learned to just day who I am the whole time. So I tried to, um, I guess, change a little bit to fit into the team 
because I'm, I'm quite a difficult person to get along with at times. So I didn't want to feel like an outsider, I guess. So mm. I just, I know that I need to always be who I am, especially when I'm walking out to the pool. Like I, I love uh, to be super calm. Um, I don't do music or anything before races. Like okay, I well, just... I'm going to scrap this question down here. What's your favorite pre-race playlist? <laughs> yeah, yeah I've never, I'm not really a big music person, so <laughs> I don't do that. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that I tried to do music. I don't know why that was a stupid decision to make, but um, yeah, I just need to stay calm, be myself and do what I know what to do. It's funny you say that in terms of preparation and you sort of feeling like maybe it wasn't, you know, going the way you, you sort of would have liked or things like that. It's talking to um, breaststroke champion and legend Penny Haynes, South African, the great Penny Haynes. And she was saying in 1996, she was actually in a training camp and she wasn't feeling good. She wasn't enjoying the training. She didn't feel like that was best for her. And she actually left. God bless her. She just got out. She said, I flew back to, cause she was training in America um, at college at the time. She went back there and went back to her training pool and finished her Olympic preparation there. Oh, wow. Uh, and then obviously, well, I think we know she went on to win gold in the hundred yeah. breaststroke. So it is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it works. So I think it's, there's something in that in terms of making sure the athletes not just physically are prepared, but mentally they're right on board. They genuinely believe in everything that's going on. And, you know, as I said, she was super confident in, in what was going to happen back there. She said, if I go back there, I know it'll work. So she went back and away it went. So yeah, there's definitely something in that for sure. Yeah. I guess like another big thing that I learned was to trust myself. Like I wish that I'd changed things earlier and I felt it at the time, but I just trusted that I didn't know enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Now I, I know that I need to trust how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, listen, I've got rid of the pre-race playlist <laughs> question. So talk to me about what's your favorite event to race and has that changed over the years? Oh gosh. Yes. It's changed. Um, <laughs> the favorite event to race, I would probably say like would be 200 for sure. <laughs> like I just, for some reason just don't feel pain in it. I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. But I love to race it. <laughs> like my best event to race is obviously 200 IM. Yeah. I hate racing 400 IM. But yeah, I, I love the 200 breast. I don't know why. It's just nice and, I don't know, long, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, say for a 200 IM, let's talk about race plans for a second because obviously a lot of people listen to this and not that they need to copy yours or anything like yeah. that, but what sort of a race plan do you have going into a, a 200 IM? What are you thinking about? Obviously, not so much behind the blocks, but once you dive in and, and it's game on, what are you going through in your mind? So the first thing always is that I have to trust my processes that I've done in training. Um, so it's always like front of mind. Um, I'm a flyer, so I have to use the fly. I have to get as much speed out of the fly as I possibly can because I'm not that great at backstroke. So I always get caught in the backstroke. Um, I always have to think rating. So super high rating in the backstroke just to get through it. Then breaststroke, um, I don't know, by the time I get to the breaststroke, everything just feels more natural and just kind of happens how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit the freestyle and my gosh, that is the most painful length you'll ever do. And you're just desperate for oxygen and to stop. Um, I've always struggled with the freestyle 
I've never been, I've once in my life gone under 32, which is not fast. And it's something that we're desperately working on. But by the time you hit the freestyle, it's just an all-out sprint home. you just got to throw out what you've got, which isn't much. But, yeah, it's a very interesting race. I know my coach loves to train it because he loves trying to get all the little details right. I not, I don't really enjoy being an IEMA too much because you just always feel like you're missing something. That if you train one stroke too much, you're dropping another stroke. So, yeah, it's a very interesting um, race to have on your repertoire because you just have to do so much for it. Well, since we're talking about sort of sessions and, you know, what, what you're doing, talk to me about some of your favorite sets through the week that you enjoy ripping into. Maybe not so much the set itself, but what sessions do you really look forward to? Is it speed? Is it a row? Is it a kick? What sort of sets do you look forward to? Um, like I said before, I like distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like a distance from a distance, like a middle distance from a distance. Um, so yeah, like the aerobic threshold sets, I always finish them feeling really good about myself. And I find that I can get into a rhythm or a pace and just hold that for as long as I need to. Like last night we did a 5k freestyle threshold set. And I just had like 108 the whole time, pretty much. Um, I don't really like speed. I don't know why, because you get a lot of rest with it, but it just doesn't really sit too well with me. I'm not a sprinter either, so it's probably why. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my best sessions that I've done are like 30 50s, um, 8 50s, three times. That's a nightmare. But I love, I've always been the only girl in the squad. Now we've got Ali and a couple of other younger girls, but uh, before our first lockdown, so like, January, February, March, we were doing 30, 50s, and I'll go through them IM as like six fly, 10 back, six breast, eight freestyle. And the boys would be going three on, one off, but I always race them in the last freestyle ones, and we would fly. Like, I would sometimes beat them, like going 27s push freestyle, but like, yeah, 30, 50s is one of the sessions that I know that I'd always um, nail. Then our eight, 50s, Dive max is a nightmare. It's four on two minutes, two on one thirty, two on one minute, mm-hmm. three times. So it's it is hard. But again, like I just get up against the boys and I'm like, you are not better than me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I'm. I always say I'm a real bitch in training because I just I don't let them beat me. <laughs> well, it's good to have that competitiveness about you. That's for sure. And you mentioned yeah. Ali just before, and I've had her yeah. on the podcast, and I was going to ask about her a little bit later, but since you brought her up, we'll just mention it now. What's it been like having her come over from America, join the squad? How long has she been there now? About um, years, oh, I don't know, ten weeks maybe. She's hey? back in America at the moment for okay. her sister's wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It must be about ten weeks, but it's been amazing. I've never really train with someone at the same level as me. And I, I would put her that higher than what I am. Mm. But um, yeah, to do some of the backstroke sets that we've done together has been really cool. And we've created a pretty special friendship actually. How much does having her obviously being a backstroker helps, you know, you said backstroke's not one of your, your, yeah. your favorite legs in the IEM, but being next to her, how much does that help sort of try and, you know, bring your backstroke along a bit too? Oh, it's given me a lot of confidence and I'm, I know she hasn't swum for months, so she's not as fit as what she has been, but I've been able to keep up with her. And I've been like, yeah, I'm keeping up with Ellie. This is amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's given me a lot of confidence, and my backstroke has improved drastically. 
Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Talk to me about 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. How much did you enjoy coming over to Australia? Oh, that was fun. It was um, it was fun just being like <laughs> just an Aussie and like my whole family could come, so it was good. And also my partner could come. Um, it was, a again, a, not a great competition for me. I had a lot of injuries going into that and we were thinking that I, I should have probably pulled out. I had a broken foot and a sprained rib. So there was a bit going on. Should I ask but, how you manage that? Oh, I, <laughs> I sprained my rib diving, real fluke, and I broke my foot doing like ballet turns. So, yeah, I don't even know how that happened. Um, <laughs> but if I pulled out, then it meant the girls' team wouldn't have gone because I was in both the 4 by one free relay and I was the flyer in the medley relay. Mm-hmm. So I... I went for the team and I'm definitely glad that I did. Yeah. But didn't race that great mm. <laughs> again. Did you hang over here long after the games? Did you get to sort of, you know, get about down on the Gold Coast? It's not a bad place to spend yeah. some time. Yeah. Um, as soon as the swimming finished, I left the village and was with my family and my partner. But we stayed around for about a week and a half afterwards. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. You didn't really get up to too much. It was kind of nice to just chill on the Gold Coast. <laughs> As, yeah, well, as I said, it's not a bad place to yeah. to chill. I I, uh, I get quite jealous talking to people here on the podcast that train there. And as you know, obviously quite a lot of people on the Australian team do right. train on the Gold Coast. Um, and especially when we were in lockdown and things like that. And I'd be like, because everyone could Zoom. Everyone would Zoom in on when there was lockdown because no one was doing anything. But they were all still just, you know, yeah, I went to the beach today and I did this today. And I was like, oh. Yeah. You just I'd almost I almost barred them from the podcast because I was just getting too jealous <laughs> just to hearing their stories of what they got up to. Um, did you enjoy uh, racing outside? Because I know you guys don't, you know, always do that down there. Um, I grew up training in an outdoor pool. Um, so I, I was fine and I was doing fly. I didn't do any IM, so I didn't have to deal with like sun in the eyes and backstroke or anything. So, yeah, I didn't find it too much of a difference. Oh, nice. It was... Oh, I can't remember what night it was, but it just absolutely bucketed down on us. And it was freezing. It could have been the 4 by one medley. I can't really remember. Luckily, it cleared just before we raced, so yeah. it was fine. But, yeah, there were some nasty days when it just rained and rained. Well, you're lucky. Well, even on those days, there's the opposite. I remember I was there for trials, and I wore a singlet because it was hot. Yeah. And uh, I just got roasted in the stands because it was like 35, 36 degrees. There was no shade. Yeah. So I could imagine the opposite for an athlete as well. You'd have to make sure you got your sunscreen on. You're yeah. making sure you're doing all that stuff because you yeah. could turn out looking like a turkey. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fair skinned. So I was definitely sunblocked the whole time. Now, I noted in my research, 2019 uh, didn't come up there in terms of results or, you know, sort of, you know, where you'd been, not world championships. Uh, in Guangzhou, what what you know? What was going on last year for you? So it's a it's a bit more than just last year. Um, after Com Games, I went through a um, a decision of whether I kept on going, had a break, and came back into it. Um, also, my coach was leaving, so I was like, "Well, what do I do?" And I sat down with my partner, and he decided to take on coaching me. So he never coached before. I did swim school, and is has always been super involved in swimming, but it's a bit of a different step for him. So we, um, we kind of decided then that we were going to take two years to train for Tokyo. Mm-hmm. 
And that was the, has always been the main focus. Everything else on the side wasn't really um, any focus for us. So we just trained through 2018, didn't compete. And then in 2019, I think we went to a couple of competitions in Aussie um, and decided that we wouldn't taper down for opens. And he, he had never co um, coached a double taper before. So we only had a four-week turnaround between our trials and world champs. So we just decided, hey, if I qualified off no taper, then cool, I'd get to taper for worlds. If we didn't, no big deal. We know what the goal is. Mm -hmm. But I was uh, not quite a second over, I think. And we're just like, all right, well, we know what the um, plan is. We'll keep going until 2020. Unfortunately, things have changed since. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long two and a half years now of just training and no taper. I'm definitely looking forward to tapering and seeing what I can do now. <laughs> now, we've, you know, we've talked about Michael um, before. Let's, let's talk about him a little bit more now in terms of, you know, he's your partner, he's your coach. How does that dynamic play out? Because I've got to tell you, I don't think my wife and I could work together in that sort of an arrangement. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, we, we, we get along. We've been married, you know, now for three years, been together for 10. So, you know, we get along, but there's no way I, I can tell you, there's no way we would be able to work together in that dynamic. Obviously you guys make it work. Talk to me about how it, you know, plays out on pool deck and then the car rides home, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, at the start, it was a bit tricky. It was only, me who he was coaching so if like anything was going wrong like if I was having a bad day he had like no one to turn to and be like oh well that's something good so I'll just kind of ignore Helena um so yeah the start we I wouldn't say we fought but we've had arguments mm -hmm. um then we slowly added in more swimmers and it's it's been relatively easy when, when we get to the pool it's it was always coach swimmer time and when we get home, it was partner time. We always tried to leave things behind. Um, we've changed tact since. We're now um, always going to stay in partner mode. And uh, sometimes, like, we can get quite nasty to each other. So we're trying to stop that. Um, but, yeah, it's been super easy and a lot of fun. We've been able to travel together. Mm -hmm. He is going to be coming to ISL with me. So, like, we're going to get all these really cool opportunities that a lot of people don't get to do with their partner. So, yeah, it's definitely a decision I'm super glad that I made. Yeah, very nice. Talk to me about your swim club, co-swim club. Um, one of the the best in the country. You've been there for, for a while now. Talk to me about them. Um, yeah, well, thanks for calling us one of the best. <laughs> yeah, I've been here coming up four years, I think. Um, so we've got a huge swim school under the club that feeds our club. And the club isn't too big, but we have a really cool elite squad that is definitely gaining a lot of momentum at the moment. Um, it's very special what we get to do because we own our facility. Well, not coast, but um, Michael's one of the managers there. So we get to pretty much do what we want with pool space and everything like that. So we've got a really cool opportunity and we're just, um, <laughs> this is one of Michael's saying, sayings is you make your own luck. And he really lives by that right now. So we're just making a lot of opportunities happen for us right now. 
Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Turns out the harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. So I, yeah. I think... Yeah. Yeah. Michael's yeah. definitely one of the hardest workers I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that one. All right, let's get into the ISL. Um, obviously, we know, um, you know, we, at this stage, you're heading over. How exciting is it to be a part of, you know, something that is pretty big in, in world swimming? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we watched all of it last year and we were just like, imagine being involved in this. How cool would that be? And I didn't, I didn't really think it would be an opportunity this year, especially when Olympics got cancelled. Like last year, I was like, oh, I'll prove myself at the Olympics and hopefully get into a team. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's so cool to be in a team in LA Current and just the opportunity that we're going to get and the people that we're going to meet is going to be amazing. I cannot mm. wait. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I've thrown my support behind the London Raw because... Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, well, only because I thought, well, like, well I've got to get involved and uh, I do love sort of being a part of a team and that sort of team environment. So I wanted to make sure I threw my support behind yeah. a, a team and uh, it just so happened that the London Raw had quite a few Aussies in yeah. there as well. So, uh, well, it did. So um, that that's sort of where that landed. But, uh, yeah, no, look, hopefully you do get over there, mate, because as I said, I think it's exciting and I think it will be great, as I said before, for just, you know, um, swimming in general to get back yeah. on track and give everyone something to look forward to, give you guys as athletes something to train towards and get yeah. the mind stimulated again. Um, no, still so much in your career. To, to go heading towards a possible second Olympics, but with all the national records, how, how is the consistency in your performances? And I guess we'll take away from 2018 and, and last year, cause we you know, touched on what happened there, but how proud are you of, of what you've been able to achieve so far and that consistent effort, you know, say from 2015, 16, 17. Uh, I'm, I'm super proud of what I've done so far. Obviously I've got a lot more that I want to accomplish. Um, and I thought that I probably would have accomplished more by now, but you know, things don't go to plan and that's fine. Um, I have, I think six open New Zealand records at the moment. And like, I'm so proud of that. I've got, I think I'm equal with Lauren Boyle for the most New Zealand records or something like that. So yeah, i last year was incredible getting all those, um, New Zealand records at short course, but that was untapered. And I know that I can do better than that. Mm. So I'm proud of them, but I know that it's not my best. Um, yeah. yeah um, my career has been like, I guess everything I've wanted it to be in terms of like becoming an Olympian and having the experiences that I've had. I just know that there's more left. Absolutely. There's more left. That's why I made sure there's still so much more to come <laughs> before I made it sound like, you know, looking back on your career. Uh, what do you get up to when you're away from the pool? Um, not too much. <laughs> My partner has a now five-year-old son. So I fall into stepmom role quite a lot and I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, or I go to my parents, as I've said, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm an overly busy person outside of training. Hmm. Oh, that's all right. So you don't uh, study or, or do any work sort of outside of? Uh, no, I finished university at the end of 2015. Um, I kind of raced through it all. So I was hmm. 20 when I graduated. Yeah. Um, I, I did not like university. So I was like, just get it done. Get it done as quick <laughs> as you can. And then you don't have to go back. Um, but yeah, no, I'm fully focused on swimming. So no work at the moment. 
Very nice. Now, I like to finish my chats, as you know, because you have listened to the podcast, yeah. with some less serious questions, some rapid fire sort of stuff. So hopefully you're a bit more prepared. Some people take half an hour to answer these and I think, oh, these should be the easiest questions to answer. <laughs> so you knew these were coming. So hopefully you, you've done it, you know, you're ready to go. Um, what's your favourite music to listen to? Um, so as I said before, I'm not a big music person, but we listen to it in training a lot. Mm-hmm. At the moment, uh, Michael's going through like a 90s, early 2000s phase in training and like, you know, they're real good sing along so you can get into a good vibe. That's, oh, that's probably been going on for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, I just listen to whatever, like whoever's around me, whatever they listen to, like radio, I'm not fussy. Very adaptable. I like it. What about favorite movies to watch? Oh, um, I love action. I love comedy, like romance, um, probably real girly stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely love Marvel. Absolute yep. fan of them. Um, at the moment, uh, Mulan. Love Mulan. We've watched it so many times and it's only been out for like two weeks or something. Um, but yeah, I also <laughs> watch like the Disney movies with Arlo. I don't hate them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just anything. Well, I don't hate them either, but when, when they beat them to death like my daughter does. Oh, they play and, them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I used to like Moana. I first watched Moana. I was like, oh, I don't mind this movie. You know, it's got a good sing-along things to it. And then when you watch it a million times and I don't even think I'm exaggerating because she just keeps wanting more of it then yeah, they just beat yeah. it out of you. Um, We're through a big Pokemon stage right now. So watched everything Pokemon. You probably got that theme song in your head. Have you? Oh uh, yeah. Or we'll be in the car and we're like, play the Pokemon rap song. We're like, okay. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad one to play on pool deck. I can tell that's pretty pump up music. I want to be the very best. Um, what about favorite meal? What do you like to eat? Oh, um, I don't know so much as meal, but like my favorite cuisine would probably be Asian fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm not really a fussy person because I don't have a lot of favorites. Um, yeah, anything that I haven't cooked as well. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's a good and bad thing, not being fussy because it's, it's good because, you know, if what you want's not there, then it's okay. You're adaptable. You can move on. But it's also bad because... I don't know if you're like my wife, but if you go up to, you know, look at the menu, you end up there for about half an hour because you still can't really decide what you want. Yeah. And the person who knows what they want has already decided and they're standing there tapping their feet going, uh, today would be nice. Are you yeah, like I mean, that? I struggle to like choose somewhere to go to eat. I always just let Michael do that. I'm like, you choose. And a lot of the time I'm like, oh, you know what? You just choose for me off the menu. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which does go down well sometimes because I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. But then when I'm tired and I couldn't be asked to come up with it, then that's usually when the bickering starts. Uh, <laughs> what about you visited some countries uh, in your career so far? What are some of your favorite ones? Um, I'd probably have to say like Hungary and Slovakia. Are. I absolutely love Budapest, which is good because I'm going there soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't say I reckon I've been to too many countries. Like definitely want to go see more. Um, but I just loved like how old the cities are over um, – of. I would say Europe, but I've only been to two countries there. Um, and the like, I went in summer, so it was pretty like cool and, and like nice weather. But yeah, like the vibe that I got from Budapest was pretty special. 
Yeah, you can't go wrong with um, with Europe, mate. I, we traveled, yeah. I've been a few times, but I went with my wife on our honeymoon. We were in Spain and Portugal and Italy and just driving around and on trains and stuff. You can't really go wrong. It's it's always good over there. Yeah, um, yeah I'm pretty excited to go to Budapest with Michael this time, so that'll be yeah. cool. Yeah, it is nice to get out and about. Uh, Favourite TV shows to binge watch? Oh, so I would watch all the like typically shitty shows like Big Bang Theory, Modern Family. I absolutely love Shit's Creek. Um, at the moment, we are watching Lucifer, which I'm really into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, I watch pretty much anything. Um, Gossip Girl is another one. I can't think of too many others right now, but yeah, just like a lot of lighthearted stuff. I yeah. like. Yeah. One that everyone's getting around at the moment on Netflix is Cobra Kai, the the um, Karate Kid sort of. Oh, movie yes, movie. yeah. I've seen the shorts, right? I haven't watched it yet. I did ask my wife to wait for me and we'd watch it together. Unfortunately, she's now three or four episodes in, so that didn't <laughs> happen. And now I've, I've, I've gone on strike from watching it because she didn't wait for me. So uh, I'm not watching it now. That's it. It's out. Um, TikToks. Do you, do you watch, are you on TikTok? Do you, what do you like? I am not. Um, I don't do too much social media these days. Yeah. I was spending way too much time on my phone, just constantly scrolling. So yeah, the past like month or so, um, I've taken a step back. So yeah, I don't really do TikTok. Well, I feel very fortunate that you got back to me on Instagram then considering you're cutting back on there. <laughs> uh, now you mentioned a few quotes before. Uh, are there any quotes that you keep with you that you, you know, you use sort of, um, from time to time to help you, you know, get through things? Um, I have one that I've had written on a board in my room, since probably high school and that's dare to dream. I guess like I've just always had big dreams in my life that I've never wanted to let go. So that's been a big one. Like I said, Michael's one that has, I guess also became my one with the you make your own lap, but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say there's too many others. Yeah. I think uh, the good thing about dare to dream, it sort of ties in with one that I love, which is you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. So, you know, that dare to dream, I guess, quote is just all about, you know, having a goal, having something in mind that you're going to just, you know, work as hard as you can to get to. And, you know, whether you get there or you don't get there and, and, you know, let's face it, we don't always get the fairy tales. You've been to Olympics. There's a lot of people that, you know, wrote down Olympics and they didn't get there, but you know, if you never tried, you'd never know. So I I do like that one. And dare to dream works in with them, but you make your own luck. Like it was always a dream of ours to do ASL. And if Michael didn't reach out to who he did with his connections, then it wouldn't have happened. So yeah, they definitely work well together. Now, when we redo this interview in two or three years' time and I get you back on again, what accomplishments would you like me to be adding to that intro for you? Um, oh, my gosh. I would definitely love to be in a final next year at the Olympics. Would love to. Once you get into a final, anything can happen from there. So I don't want to jinx anything like that. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm not too certain what to add to the intro. Like, I've got big goals and I guess dreams for my career and where I want it to be. Um, I don't know if I want to voice them too much. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I just throw it out there. You don't have to. It's all good. Yeah. I definitely want to be in a final next year at the Olympics. 
Yeah. Uh, I'll take that one. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that. It's okay. I won't push you. I mean, it's not like a current affair. I don't sort of press people for more <laughs> and more. I just, uh, yeah, I, I leave it how it is. Um, mate, I think it's a great chance to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on for a chat. Um, as you said, you know, you're back in solid training now and I do appreciate you taking the time to come on and have a chat with us. Um, no, not a trouble at all. And I've said this before, I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it. I hope that the New Zealand people who are listening to this get right behind you guys and what you guys are doing at the moment for swimming in New Zealand, because I'm, um, you know, loving every minute of, I'm loving doing the research. I'm loving seeing what you guys are doing and the youngsters with like Erica Fairweather and Zach Reed and people coming through as well. And I think uh, you're on the verge of having a really good next sort of 10 years in terms of the talent coming through. So thank you for, you know, your contribution to all of that as well and your continued contribution and looking forward to 2021 Tokyo. And thank you for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. No worries. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you as always by Nico and our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Don't forget to head over to the YouTube page to watch all the amazing interviews from Season 3 so far. The latest edition is uh, Susie O'Neill and also the men's 4x100m freestyle relay team. So head over there right now on YouTube, like and subscribe, and enjoy all the great interviews with some Aussie icons. Now keep your podcast dial here all week with still some amazing chats coming your way. Tomorrow, of course, we head over to New Zealand. As always, everyone knows Tuesday is New Zealand Day here on the podcast. Later in the week, we also have an Aussie legend and an Aussie young gun that you will be sure to remember. Now, until then, though, guys, make sure you make most of the warm weather out there. Get out and about. Apologies to those listening from overseas where the weather's getting a bit colder. Keep smiling. And it's bye for now.